Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Sunday, March 7, 2021. On this day in 1932, four protesters were shot and killed by police and Ford Motor Company security officials near Detroit, Michigan. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the Ford Hunger March, also known as the Ford Massacre. In the depths of the Great Depression, a 4,000-person march for labor rights ended in bloodshed. Let's travel back to Sunday, March 7, 1932, sometime around noon. Three years after the biggest economic disaster in the history of the industrialized world, protesters gathered en masse at Fort Street Bridge, one block away from Detroit's city limits. They were former employees of the Ford Motor Company, recently laid off, and they were outraged. Four people in their city died from hunger every day, and yet their old boss, Henry Ford, still held the distinction of being the richest man in the world. Partially organized by the Detroit's unemployed councils and the United Auto Workers, the demonstrators intended to march to the Ford Motor Company's Rouge plant to bring their demands to Henry Ford's doorstep. Among other stipulations, they wanted their jobs back, fair wages, non-discrimination policies, and medical support for their families. Though the majority of their frustrations were directed at the auto industry, the crowd's cause wasn't unilateral. Some protesters spotlighted civil rights issues, carrying signs asking to free the Scottsboro Nine, nine black teenagers imprisoned after being falsely accused of raping two white women. Others broadcast international messages condemning the United States' recent sales of iron to Japan, which Japan then used to attack their neighbor, China. In commiseration and desperation, they assembled together in solidarity. The distance to the plant wasn't much more than a mile. The journey would take them only about 30 minutes, if their numbers didn't slow them down. The longer the organizers waited, the more people joined their cause, some laid off by Ford Motors earlier that morning. The crowd swelled to around 3,000 men, women, and children, all hoping to effect change. Before departing, organizers delivered short speeches in which they condemned violence and asked the demonstrators to remain peaceful. Then, sometime before 2 p.m., the march began. They easily moved through the streets of Detroit, but as soon as they crossed over the city line into Dearborn, where Henry Ford's cousin Clyde served as mayor, they were met with resistance. 
around 50 members of the Dearborn police immediately deployed tear gas into the crowd, but the protesters barely broke stride. In retaliation, angry protesters picked up stones, sticks, and frozen mud and hurled them toward the officers, forcing the police to retreat as the crowd marched on. But by the time the protesters reached the Ford Rouge plant, officials had regrouped outside, and they now had backup, including members of the Detroit police, the Dearborn Fire Department, and Henry Ford's Service Department, his notoriously corrupt personal security team. As soon as the crowd entered striking range, a one-sided battle began. Firefighters sprayed their hoses at the crowd. Police opened fire with revolvers and machine guns. 3,000 civilians, screaming in terror, ran for their lives. Some grabbed stones and mud again to use as projectiles, but their efforts were in vain. They were unarmed and outmatched. Leaders of the march attempted a peaceful retreat, but the barrage of bullets didn't stop. When the dust finally settled, four protesters had been killed. Coleman Lenny, Joe de Blasio, Joe York, and Joe Bussell, who was only 16 years old. At least 60 others were injured and 48 arrested, some of whom were handcuffed in the hospital for days, being treated for wounds inflicted by the same police who arrested them. And the injustices were only just beginning. Coming up, we examine the aftermath of the Ford Hunger March. You discover their practices, seek their advice, and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the podcast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on Miracle Healers, airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Raniere and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright-eyed recruits into die-hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now back to the story. On March 7, 1932, Police and members of Henry Ford's personal security team shot and killed four protesters in the Ford Hunger March. Five days after the march, on March 12, 1932, around 60,000 people took to the streets for a funeral procession in honor of the four killed. 
when they finally reached Detroit's Woodmere Cemetery, a relative of one of the deceased called for action, saying, in the name of my murdered brother, I call upon you to organize and fight. Long live the workers of the world. The crowd broke out into song, L'Internationale, a French anthem born of the socialist movement, which begins, Arise, you prisoners of starvation. Arise, you wretched of the earth. For justice thunders condemnation, a better world's in birth. All four protesters killed on the day of the march were members of the Young Communist League, which was likely not an accident. Harry Bennett, Henry Ford's right-hand man and leader of his service department, is suspected of using the chaos to eliminate anyone he considered a leader in what was called a communist uprising. Beyond those killed, a number of protesters did belong to either the Young Communist League or the Communist Party. By 1932, communist and socialist ideologies were on the rise in the United States. Americans had lost all faith in Washington and Wall Street. Government assistance programs like welfare and social security didn't exist. Naturally, unemployed and starving, people sought alternatives to the status quo. As a whole, the 3,000 marchers were people with diverse beliefs, from many different racial, ethnic, and political backgrounds. But that wasn't necessarily the story told in the aftermath. Despite public outcry against police brutality and popular sympathies tipping in favor of the marchers, major media outlets portrayed the protesters as radicalists. The Detroit Free Press even blamed them for inciting the violence, calling them communists, agitators, rioters, and a red mob. In the weeks that followed, Henry Ford punished anyone suspected of having connections to the Hunger March. This included firing those who donated to or attended the funerals of the deceased. He also terminated any employee found to have ties to the Communist Party or was in possession of socialist literature. Two months after the march, in June 1932, another demonstrator, Curtis Williams, died as a result of wounds inflicted by police during the march, bringing the total death count to five. And yet, no officials were ever indicted or held responsible for their actions. Ultimately, the Ford Hunger March inspired laborers from all over the country to demand change. Three years later, in 1935, FDR signed into action the Wagner Act, which guaranteed American workers the right to organize into unions. It would take more than half a decade for Ford to recognize the United Auto Workers, but he eventually did on June 20, 1941. Today, the Ford Hunger March is remembered as a turning point for labor rights in America, and though it's taken time, it was finally recognized as such. On October 22, 2020, the city of Detroit completed construction on the Fort Street Bridge Interpretive Park. Located on the half-acre tract of land where protesters first gathered in 1932, it's meant to memorialize the victims who lost their lives and inspire the rest of us to keep going. 
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Aaron Lan, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 